Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, listeners. This is Luke here from the Things That Made England podcast. We are hosting a In Conversation with Royfield Brown, and this will be taking place on March the 27th, uh, so that's next Saturday, and it's at 6pm London time, 2pm Pennsylvania time, and 11am California time. As I'm sure many of you will know, Royfield is the grand puppet master behind a number of different podcasts and other podcast-related activities, and he has just moved into the world of academia, as he will be teaching on the subject of the business of podcasts at the University of California. And Royfield does know a lot about the business of podcasting, having produced shows covering topics including history with 10 American presidents, geography with Map Corner, politics and current affairs with Mid-Atlantic, culture with dum dum and then history, geography, politics, culture, and much besides with How Jamaica Conquered the World and our own The Things That Made England. The main event of the evening will be a light grilling, a toasting maybe, of Royfield by Fiona, which should not be missed. Then we'll have a quiz hosted by me, with questions covering all of Royfield's shows in one way or another. And finally, we will wrap up with a Q&A session led by David. We'll post the link for the event on our Facebook site and here on the podcast notes, and we'll also be tweeting about it on the Intelligent Speech Twitter account. Intelligent speech, I hear you ask, quizzically. What is this? It's an online event consisting of lots of intelligent people, mainly podcasters, speaking about interesting things. Our In Conversation with Royfield Brown is part of the lead-up to the main conference on April the 24th. You can sign up for the conference at intelligentspeechconference.com and you can get a discount by using our discount code TTME. And if you hurry up and book quickly before the 24th of March, you can get an early bird discount. So good luck with that. Royfield made an incredibly cool promo for the event, so have a listen to this. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year... Zachary Davis, Shane Redfern, Benjamin Jacobs, I'm Eric Marcus, Dan McManamy, Cyanide, Free, Roger Lynch, Susan Archery, Alex Clifford, B.T. Newberg, I'm David Crowther, and I, Liz Covard, will be speaking alongside 40 other great content creators. This will be an event that you don't want to miss. Intelligent Speech is back. 
Intelligent Speech is an online conference dedicated to connecting the best independent educational content creators with their listeners. This year's Intelligent Speech Conference will be held on Saturday, April 24th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, or for our friends across the Atlantic, 3 p.m. London Time. Tickets will be $30, but are available for only $20 as an early bird special. You can get them online at intelligentspeechconference.com slash shop. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Here's a Canadian Dumpty Dum for you, all the way from Ottawa, Ontario. Ice being scraped off a windshield. Hopefully this works. Recording from phone onto computer. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the mug of toffees, who goes by the name of Royfield Brown. Alongside me, we have the time capsule, who is... Kerry Warbus. And last but not least, the wallet, that <laughs> is... Peter Fickling, very much least, as advertised. And the last part of these substandard birthday gifts is you folks are lovely listeners this week's dumbly dum is from amy who is still scraping away the ice in ottawa off of her car to the rhythms of barrett green and also i should remind you that uh, this friday we have andy hockley who is the evil Buhis Philip Moss. If you would like a ringside seat for that, why don't you email me royfield at gmail.com or if you have the universal sign of bunting next to your name because then I know you're a good sort. If you message me or message Dumpty Dum on the Twitters, uh, we can give you a link. And or if you're a member of the Facebook group, you should have a link for it there also. So it's 7 o'clock UK time, Andy Hockley's rather personable. On these week's episode, we hear from Cowlin Wright, up there in Anglesey, Glenn Fullerlo, who I believe is in Derbyshire, Drew, who's in Tokyo, Linda Lou, no idea where you are, me dear, but you call into and Witherspoon, who's in the upper lower east west side. But first, it's Amber's week that was Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on this week in Ambridge, in a plot twist that could have been seen from space, Eddie enjoys the vegan cake. Shocking. Who could have predicted that one? Mince delivers the joyous news. The abattoir is opening. Slaughter for all. Eddie is getting the silent treatment. This might prove problematic for us as listeners if it continues, given we experience this show only through sound. No matter how many times someone says Martha... I refuse to believe that a baby born in 2021 has been called Martha. And that was the week in Ambridge. 
Thank you for that, Amber. And you, boy, oh boy, Amber, every week you make me sweat. You send it in exactly at the last minute, but you make the cut. Folks, I'm not going to lie to you. We've spent the best part of an hour, myself, Kerry and Peter, discussing Manchester United, Jesse Lingard, Ravel Morrison, Max Verstappen, Formula One, being pleasured by your partner, <laughs> you name it. Right. We've discussed it all because we have struggled. We've tried manfully and womanfully mm. to try and think of a hot topic of the week. We couldn't really think of one. Uh, we've we've talked about just about everything, even the UK's performance when it comes to vaccinating its good citizens uh, has even come up as something uh, for us to talk about and how we could shoehorn that into our deliberations about Ambridge. I said, why don't we just say this? Kerry? Yeah. How's your week been? It's been great, actually. Yeah, it's been good. I've moved recently to working a four-day condensed full-time working week, and I'm really loving that. I have each Monday off, so it's kind of changed my um, perspectives in terms of the weekend. You know, on a Friday, knowing that you've got a three-day weekend ahead is lovely. Obviously, doing the pod on a Monday, it helps me to have an empty day to think about it, the creative process of the pod, even though we couldn't come up with a hot topic. Um, Yeah, all is good. I'm 10 days past having had my vaccination and that was fine. I didn't have any side effects or anything. I think that's because I'm old, by the way. I did hear on Radio 4 that if you're old, uh, you get fewer side effects. Oh, Yeah, Warby's household is ticking along rather nicely. Thank you. Smashing. Mm. Uh, Pete Pickling, um, you're not as old as Kerry. Right. Uh, so I don't, you, you haven't even qualified for getting a jab. No, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm at a weird age. I'm probably as old as you can be on the list of people who will have to wait a long time for their jabs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, and actually, it was, it was vaguely consequential this week because I had to, I had to turn my lovely mum away. She was going to come, she was going to be part of our bubble next week, but we had to sort of, um, I had to cancel that to be sensible, which was a bit sad. Oh, has she been vaccinated? She think? has, but she's going to mm. go and see my sister shortly after seeing us. So we mm. could have technically done some bubble switcheroos and, you know, some of the you, mm. some of the, the dark arts. Everyone's got quite good at it, sort of, you know, oh, look at you. Oh, hello. I didn't realise you'd be in the park today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not quite, but, you know. Um, mm. And uh, so anyway, so mum's not coming now, so that's a, that's a shame. How about you, Royfield? What have you been up to? Um, Gearing up for Berkeley and submitting all the information to the good uh, education establishment that goes by that name uh, for me to start next month. Uh, I'm I'm beside myself with with excitement. Have you heard about this, Gary? What are you talking about? Royfield is going to be the um, inner... (laughs) He's going to be... Uh, wandering around the campus of Berkeley like Lee Hurst, sort of like uh, <laughs> um, oh, great. Well, Lee Hurst, uh, Lee Hurst um, was obviously being sort of slightly inappropriate, making some inappropriate comments about Greta Thunberg. What on Greta. earth is going on here? Royfield is a professor at Berkeley now. Well, hardly a professor, but I'm going to be teaching um, podcasting uh, for UC Berkeley starting in April. Are you? Yes. Good heavens. Now. Yeah, well done. Yes, yes. First thing, the first <laughs> thing we do is we have an hour and a half of technical issues, um, yes. and we all try and um, keep ourselves from losing our temper. So that's something you need to go. You can go away and practice that on your own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is this the kind of stuff, Royfield? 
You know what? You've written the syllabus. Right. You really have, Peter. You've utterly nailed it. We could be but guest you speakers what... if you like. Yeah. Uh, listen, they've asked me um, if I need to wheel people on because it's it's all online. So this this is the, the great thing that I can do this from from anywhere and include people. Mm. So so there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you what, though, before we go on to caller in, uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton, yeah. why don't you read out the next okay. bit, which I believe is in red, and then I'm going to hit the Linda button. It is indeed. If you would like to sing or play us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us or leave us a message on SpeakPipe on DumptyDum.com. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's one of the most sensible people I know. It's Glyn Fullerlove. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. It's a gloriously sunny day to be out on location. And this week I'm at the local cricket club, uh, which is looking in such good fettle. One wouldn't be surprised to see cricket being played. Um, which leads on to a question arising from the archers. Will Ambridge become the first cricket club in the country to be captained by a great aunt? Mm, That's one for the uh, statisticians Mm. at Test Match Special, I think. Uh, Other questions and answers in the archers this week. Can Josh get more irritating? Well, he's certainly trying to do just that. Um, Why? Uh, When we're in a pandemic where no one is using cash and the younger generation generally pay pay for things using their phones, would you buy a 19-year-old a wallet? What will Ben use this wallet for? (laughs) The only thing I can think of is to discreetly... Um, transport things he normally keeps in his sock drawer to the uh, love shack. But um, let's leave that (laughs) imagination. Um, The mysteries. Did I get it right, or did I just see this on social media or elsewhere, that uh, Susan is going to ride a horse into the kitchen at Brookfield? It just gets madder and madder. Finally, uh, Alice and Chris. Um, What I'm pleased in a dramatic sense is that I think the scriptwriters are definitely setting up to play the the long game here. Uh, This is um, not going to be over in a matter of a a few episodes or a few weeks. Alice isn't going to be miraculously cured. Um, You know, it may be painful listening, uh, but I think it's going to be a an enduring and compelling storyline for many years to come. Right, uh, I think that's all from me for this week. Keep safe, everybody. Best wishes to all in Dumpty Dum land. Thanks as ever for the podcast and speak to you again soon. Bye. Oh, Glyn, thank you so much. I love his outdoors caller in with the wind blowing. Um, I can picture the cricket pitch that he's describing there cricket pitch yeah he was he was going past the cricket club wasn't he is it not called a pitch cricket ground 
pitch is football. Oh, so oh, I thought it was a cricket pitch as well. Nah, nah, now nah. I'm I'm splitting hairs somewhat, but oh. anyway, don't mind me. You're in mid flow. I've only been to two cricket matches. Uh, I really liked them actually. Um, I used to really like Derek Randall, but anyway. Um, oh, he was a, an amazing cricketer. Yeah. Amazing. Rags was his nickname. All rounder. Yeah, loved him. Uh, anyway, oh, I'm sure, is it not a cricket pitch? That's bad. Is that a Yorkshire thing then? I'm sure they, the lads used to play on the cricket pitch. Uh, yeah, the great aunt captaining the uh, cricket team. That's tr- that's our Tracy, isn't it? With her great niece having just arrived. Mm. Yeah, Josh being irritating. He was laughing a lot at Ben, wasn't he? Was that not just um, quite, you know, I mean, normal. it's two brothers joking around. Josh seems to be getting a fairly hard time. I feel like the two brothers, they've only got each other really, haven't they? So mm-hmm. this is all they've got to do to pass their time. They're not allowed to be involved in the rest of the farm. If they do get involved, they get sort of slapped down quite aggressively. So, yeah, why not just be off on the side teasing each other? Lots of people seem to be commenting that Josh had gone up a few octaves, which I didn't really notice myself. Did you notice? I saw that. The, I saw the comments, but mm. um, again, I mean, I just, I think he's quite a good actor. The guy who plays Josh, I like yeah. Josh. I, I like Josh a lot. I think he's. It's a very strange perspective we have on the world, isn't it? It's a very intimate conversation, one we wouldn't normally have. And you teasing a, you know, one of us teasing a sibling is is incredibly normal and would seem very socially awkward if played Mm. out in public or played out, you know, for the world or recorded and played out to the world. That's true. You almost have to sort of laugh at everything that your sibling does at a certain point in time, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, everything that happens to them. These yeah. and and, and the one dimensionality of it. So you know, my sister, I call her gutsy, based on the fact that she used to be a bit greedy when she was about nine. You know, <laughs> she's a yeah. very elegant, beautiful, <laughs> athletic, wonderful woman. I do see how Josh can be quite sort of pugnacious, and but he's he's single minded. He knows what he wants. He's he's going for it. And I know I know in Britain we're supposed to be embarrassed about money. We're supposed to be embarrassed about sort of um, you know you're never supposed to be boastful or kind of like you know um, blow your own trumpet. But I quite like the fact that Josh is a bit more American about these things. You know, like he's not ashamed of being. He's a bit greed is good, but in a way that doesn't really hurt anyone. Like even the whole hoopla over the trailer, I didn't really see what he'd done wrong beyond being naive. What what are you talking about? When when he when he when he didn't have all his paperwork <laughs> all his paperwork in a yeah, in order. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah, that's true. So maybe we need to give him a bit of a pass. Do you think? I think we need to ask ourselves. You know, one is what is is he just guilty of being a little bit rough around the edges? Mm. But that's you know, he's a bit of a chancer, but he's honest about it. Yeah, that's true. Honesty goes a long way. I think. Glyn was bang on about the wallet, though. What a stupid present that was. Do you not think? It was the same as his dad's, wasn't it? So there was some sort of element of, I don't know, 19 is a weird age to give a dad wallet. You might think it would be, a, you know, I don't know why 21 still has that significance anymore in, in our uh, country, but it does, doesn't it? Those significant birthday mm. ages. But 19 here here you can have a wallet the same as you had i think it's a that, that would, would have been gutting i would have thought i mean if you've got the money it's a nice second present isn't it mm. well you do the wallet and then you say but here's you know there's 50 quid inside there's, to go a and get drunk inside inside. Yeah, there's <laughs> the money inside it to go and get drunk on the weekend or something which mm. obviously they can't do or you know here's well 
as Glenn hinted, here's a bunch of Johnnies to um, use in that, <laughs> that caravan that you're obviously building as a love shack. I mean, that's that's the thing that hasn't been commented on is how is this? Mm. This must be being, being done in plain view. So, you know, surely, surely Ruth and David and um, Jill and Pip are seeing all this. Yeah, mm, but they're not doing wild things to it, are they? Not yet. Just zhuzhing it up a bit, making it habitable. All painted, painted jet black inside all the windows as well. <laughs> Stripper poles through the middle. Uh, every, leopard print cushions. Every, yeah, but all wiped down. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> once the suspension on that thing's been tested to its, you know, oh. to its limits, they'll know all about it, won't they? Especially as we we know he's a noisy um, uh, love maker. Uh, got, um, the paper thin walls at the house. Exactly. Share, the house That's the whole yeah. reason they can't just go and use a, a bedroom is because um, Evie and um, Ben, when they're mm. going at it, it's a noise. You know, they're like foxes at the end of the garden. So. Oh my god, that sound is not one that's pleasant to hear. Anyway, mm. but it, yeah, if if the wallet had, you know, if they'd said and it had two hundred pounds in it or a hundred pounds or something, there was no mention of cash at all. And and then David and Ruth even themselves sort of went, oh, he wasn't very happy about that wallet. And Ruth went, no, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very imaginative gift, was it? So they kind of knew themselves it was crap. Actually, they still to, gave it. That sums up the week. That's a, there was a lot of airtime for the wallet so mm. i mean is that is that dead now i mean a good three or four minutes of my life was spent listening and now obviously and now discussing it as well and then other people to have to listen to this the wallet is now a new character yeah <laughs> and uh it's going to run and run and, and have a, sort of actually end up running most of ambridge and or al- and already more beloved than adam <laughs> with more personality <laughs> exactly <laughs> couldn't agree more about the wallet um, yes. Anyway, moving swiftly on, Innismon, uh, that is the constituency which sits on the Isle of Anglesey, which also is home to Carolyn Wright. Hello, this is Carolyn from Anglesey. I hope you're all keeping well in these rather strange times. I've got my vaccination this week, so that's good news for me. Anyway, back to Ambridge matters. I think it's really good that Alice hasn't magically recovered from her alcoholism, that the Ambridge fairy hasn't magically waved her wand and everything's okay. It's far more realistic. It must be really difficult trying to overcome an addiction and being pregnant and then having the baby and everything. It's hard enough as it is without all of that. I think Chris is realising that this is a long-term problem and it's going to take time a lot of time and effort for her to overcome her alcoholism. Um, It reminds me a little of a friend of mine. Um, She gave up smoking during her two pregnancies, but as soon as she'd had the children, she started again, which I thought was a shame, but it's her life, her health. I'm glad Brookfield are keeping the sheep. I'm surrounded by sheep and lambs at the moment. I saw seven lambs last night and their mother keeping guard. And it's really lovely seeing the lambs in the fields. And Easter's not the same, is it, without lambs? Um, I thought of another idea for an income stream for Brookfield. It seems all the rage now for farms to have a vending machine where customers can come up and fill up containers with the farm milk. Um, there's one near me. Uh, it's a farm of 500 cows. One's called Mivanwi, apparently. Um, I haven't been yet, but I intend to go uh, maybe with my dad and get some lovely local milk. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks. Bye. Ooh, 
Yes, Carolyn Wright, you touched on something that uh, Glyn also touched upon, which was that there's no magic cure for Alice and they are clearly going to, which is a good thing, play the long game with the Chris and Alice storyline. Um, Chris had a bit of an awakening, didn't he, when Alice said, I want a drink pretty much all the time, definitely every day. Uh, mm. It's a constant, constant struggle that he's not really appreciating or wasn't appreciating until she said this. And, you know, Chris got a lot of stick, I think, on Twitter um, this week. And I can see kind of why, because he's getting angry and stuff when she's struggling, but he's in a bad place too. And I I just, I wonder whether the pair of them will realise that both of them need professional help together. Will they come to this conclusion or will someone else have to suggest it or will it ever happen indeed? I don't know. Chris, in their second conversation about it, Chris sort of was approving of the fact that she talked to, um, what was her, was her name? Lucy? Lisa. Lisa. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that's all we're going to hear about it for a while. I think it's I think they've they've done the right thing. Chris has finally confronted Alice about how he's feeling. Um, they've left some dramatic tension in there because obviously it's still this secret. It's still sort of hidden away from the large majority of the village and from friends and family. But I don't, I just, you know, as an ongoing plot, I don't think there's there's any real benefit in going backwards and forwards on it. I mean, and it's going to be a lot more interesting if Alice does have a longer period of sobriety before she cracks. Yeah. How did you find that, Royfield, the Chris and Alice? For me... It was the really only thing which really marked last week was the exploration of Chris's frustration, which is born out of anger, and he just being worried about uh, the health of little baby Martha. He feels he can't really confront Alice, but we had a real flash of it then um, with the, the lifelong implications of potentially what, what they what they've done. I thought it was neatly balanced by us then c- coming back to them. So we had two kind of large uh, bites of the, the pie, didn't we, vis-a-vis them. Yeah. Um, they absolutely do need professional help. And I was old enough when my mother, when she gave birth to, to my brother, and I have mentioned this kind of before, and my mother had terrible postnatal depression, terrible, for, and it lasted for six months. And it was something which we suffered with in silence. You know, people came round to the house and my mum would put on a brave face. The somewhat healthy thing is that Alice is talking to Jennifer and saying what all parents kind of feel, regardless of feelings of antenatal depression, postnatal depression, sorry, which is you don't feel you can actually do this. Most Mm. of us do manage to do it, but we all feel that we're unequipped to bring a new life into this world and shepherd it into adulthood. We all feel that. But her talking about her fears to Jennifer is great and is incredibly healthy Mm. because I know that my mother uh, didn't. You know, this is, we're going back to the early to mid 80s now and we didn't know what to do. And there's a a massive amount of shame that, that mothers feel Fathers feel helpless, and that's if they believe their child is is healthy, let alone what old Chris is feeling. Mm. Um, so 
it, this touched me on a totally on a on a personal level because you know I remember my teenage years, but and I think it's really important that it is explored, but it explored realistically that it does play out somewhat in real time because there's going to be a lot of listeners who are going to um, it, it, of which the storyline is going to chime with, and there's going to be new mothers, expectant mothers who are going to go through the same thing, but they'll know that they don't need to suffer in silence because that's what my mother did yeah. for months. And as I said, it was we all had to pretend when people came round to the house and my mum put on a brave face. And then when they went, you know, she was just completely another person. Mm. And it's one of those things which, as a family, we've never talked about post at all. And I can only imagine what my mother was going through and also uh, my dad you know, saying, come on, you know, you've got to try, you've got to try. So it's a yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible affliction. It's awful, it's- like going through that and then having the guilt of going through it as well, on top of the terribleness of going through it, you know, feeling guilty about it. It's like mm. a double whammy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I, I saw, I think it was um, Ambridge Pony Club was commenting on Twitter that the sort of the uh, Ambridge fairy had magicked away um Alice's sort of um, postnatal depression when um, Martha latched on. I I didn't respond because it was it was quite a big topic and I, you know, Twitter's quite a sort of limiting format, isn't it? You know, to sort of have that because of like size of conversation is something I sort of felt quite sort of emotional about a bit, a bit like Eroyfield. But it's too big a uh, an issue to be tacked onto Alice's alcoholism. I think it's something that deserves a plot line, you know, to itself. Like another another mother experiencing postnatal depression without without the waters being muddied by issues around alcoholism because it, because you know because it it shouldn't just be something that's fallen out the back of, of her alcoholism it should be seen as something that can happen to anyone and not you know you know what I'm trying to say I think yeah um, I mean I, I don't think that it, it the impression was not that her postnatal depression has been magically relieved I didn't think. I didn't, I didn't think so either. There, I know that some people did say um, that, oh, you know, the magic Ambridge fairy is magic this, you know, magic to weigh postnatal depression. But it's not a linear thing, is it? There's going to be mm-hmm. days when she's going to feel better, days when uh, Alice is going to feel more distant fr- from Martha. And I think that's what that just illustrated think, uh, for me. But Alice did say, and I think this perhaps is being misinterpreted I'm not sure but she said to Chris um I feel much better after speaking with Lisa and then she said it's under control she doesn't actually know whether it is or mean it necessarily she's trying to sort of say to Chris it's under control yeah to reassure him doesn't mean anything really and I think one of the most powerful things of the whole omnibus and I think it was slim pickings this week uh, to be honest with you was when Chris said to Alice tell me what you want me to do and she said I don't know that's the whole point of people who are in these situations you ask them you know or they have depression mental health stuff going on you say oh what can I do to help you how how you know tell me what what I need to do they don't know. They literally don't know, which is why. Um, why should they know? Um, which is why I'm really hoping that professional help is sought hmm. somehow. I mean, so, so splitting splitting myself into two, sort of like one half, one half looking at it as a piece of entertainment and one half sort of feeling concerned for, you know, these characters that we have so much affection for. 
I mean, I obviously want Alice and Chris to get help and I want um, Alice to be able to talk to her family and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but my suspicion is that um, that was a a pause on the plot line. They're going to get a bit like Vince has gone off the radar for the last few weeks. I think Alice and Chris, Alice's alcoholism is going to disappear and we'll see, like Royfield was saying, his mother putting on a brave face. I think we'll see a sort of superficially sort of functioning family for a mm. while. I think we'll get the, you know, we'll get the sort of um, the strain, the, um, the acquaintances view on them for the next yeah. month or two. Because as I said, as I said earlier on, I think it's, it's more, it's more true to life that her alcoholism has a, that she's able to control it for a little while. And then it comes back. It says it, mm-hmm. it sends a, it sends a more powerful message out to the people who do have a sort of a trivialized view of postnatal depression and alcoholism who think it's all just, you mm-hmm. know, like buck up. Why can't, you know, just, just don't have a drink. Don't be depressed. You know? Yeah. And, mm. and Royfield, your point about, you know, it is good that, that Alice was speaking to Jenny about um, her situation, but the elephant in the room there is she hasn't actually told Jenny about her alcoholism, has she? So, you know, that is going to be the breakthrough event. I think when Brian and Jennifer are both aware of the whole situation, Mm. I just think it's important that you're not, not lying about things, but concealing stuff. Good evening, Royfield and everyone else at Dumpty Dum Towers. This is Drew calling in with a missive from the Tokyo branch office. There were a lot of important stories to talk about on the Archers this week. Ben and Leonard and their time capsule. Tracy and Jazzer may be getting things started back up again. Casting drama with another Linda Snell production. And of course, Chris and his misunderstanding of addiction. But I'm calling in to talk about this week's real meat and potatoes, so to speak. Vegan cake. Now, I myself am about as non-vegan as they get. Give me meat, give me dairy, I'll eat bacon on cheese, I'll have cheese on bacon. I love milk and honey and hamburger and sausage and butter chicken. But Eddie, come on. Even I know that there's no law saying that you have to have all of those things with every meal. Do you poo-poo onion rings or fries because they've not got meat or dairy in them? How about a pint of cider? Would you refuse to drink that? Come on. Now, when this whole thing started a few weeks ago, I didn't like the lecturing from Mia. And in fact, I ate an extra large hamburger for lunch that day, just a spider. But (laughs) lecturing aside, I can't believe how many of the characters are upset that she isn't eating certain ingredients. At the very least, recognize that the less meat, dairy and eggs she eats, the more there will be left for the rest of us. Well, that's all from me. Have a good week and stay safe, everybody. Yeah, well, Drew, yes, the vegan cake thing was a bit strange, wasn't it? The whole um, let's fool Eddie into realising that a cake that's vegan can taste okay. I don't get why that has to now be a secret. He wants to keep that a secret from everybody. Um, And I liked your point about onion rings and cider not involving meat, and he wouldn't turn those down, would he? So (laughs) Uh, very good point there. The lecturing from Mia. Yeah. Did anyone else find that slightly annoying? I know Eddie's now referring to her as Greta Thunberg or something um, in a disparaging fashion. It's, 
But is it not is it not a sort of sliding scale that the younger you are, the the bigger leeway you get with that kind of thing? Like a sort of a twelve or a thirteen year old developing a social conscience and mm. wanting to explain to you how the world works, that's quite cute. And then suddenly maybe maybe sort of seventeen year, years old you want to give them a bit of a slap. And when they're Kate's age, you just want to throttle them until they stop breathing. <laughs> yeah. I mean Kate's a whole episode of her own, isn't it, really? Because she's such yeah. a hypocrite. I think, you know, if you can live and breathe what you're lecturing to others, then perhaps you've got a point. And you're was... right about the youngsters. You know, isn't it lovely that she's trying to get engaged with things that matter? And also she's she's walking the walk. She's not. Um, there was someone on Twitter who was saying that they uh, um, that their daughter became a vegetarian. They were like, fine, there's the there are the pots and pans. You're doing your own food. We'll buy and, you know, we'll fill the mm. fridge with the stuff you need, but we're not going to cook two meals. And it's, it's it feels like Mia's already worked that out for herself. She's no, she's not asking anyone else to do the cooking for her. She's coming to stay with her grandparents. She's offered to cook for the two weeks she's there. Yeah. She's not being a lecturing evangelist. She's actually trying to um, show them that it can be quite tasty. I've suffered a slice of vegan cake in the past, and it was absolutely fine. Tastes <laughs> <laughs> like cake. cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I, don't, I never understand why things have to be kind of like faking or kind of, you know, like yeah. fake fried chicken, fake this. I mean, that always puts me off um, vegan or vegetarian food when it's kind of like, oh, um, you know, do you want a vegan burger? No, give me a mushroom burger. Give me a halloumi burger. But I don't want a fake meat burger. Yeah, I mean, I had bacon an impossible... stuff looks awful. Sorry, Royfield. Yeah, carry on. I, I had an impossible burger and it was tremendous. I had no idea I wasn't eating meat and... I was only, it was only after I'd wolfed it down, somebody said to me, so how was that vegan burger? And I said, don't be so ridiculous, it wasn't a vegan burger. So no, it's an impossible burger, uh, which means it's vegan. And I had to go back again and then knowingly knowing what what I was about to put in my mouth and and chew, it still tasted like meat to me. So um, I'd, sli- I'd slightly push back. These impossible burgers are a, a thing to behold. They really are. Is that a sort of subset of the argument, though? Because that is a, are they not artificial meat? It's one thing to Linda McCartney a bunch of ingredients into something that looks like a sausage. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to grow something. A, a soybean is plucked from the plant and then processed to become a um, to become a fake burger. Whereas Impossible Burger is made out of something that, at all points in its development, is supposed to be meat. Do you see the distinction I'm making? Maybe. Yeah, it's almost like what you were just saying, isn't it? Sort of pretending to be, but it's a category it's, of its own. It's 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 yeah. you know its only purpose is to be meat. You wouldn't be able to use that product for anything else. Mm. What is the Impossible Burger made from, uh, and where uh, do you I get have, it? Um, so I had this two years ago, and it, so it was starting to be a thing, and. Y- there's is it a chain a, you, or bought in supermarkets? No, Sorry, no, I don't, no. Don't. And I, I really don't know an awful lot about this. I'm just, just surmising. Um, but you can go to various restaurants in California and, and order an Impossible Burger. Burger King uh, did. Did they? I think, yeah, I think Burger King did, if not I, Impossible. I, as I said, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. All, all I know is you will you will never knowingly eat that and not think, blooming hell, that just tasted just like meat. You know, it, it is a thing to behold. And it, it, even down to there's some emzyme or whatever. So it slightly bleeds in the middle. 
It, it <laughs> looks like meat. It, it acts like meat. It's, it's incredible. Anyway, so, uh, and have we done with Drew? He's I... glad about vegans because it leaves more meat for everyone else. So, mm. yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> she says, eyeing up her pork scratchings jar just to the right mm. of her. Yeah. You have, you have a specific pork scratchings jar? Well, I was bought a jar of pork scratchings as one of my birthday presents. Oh, a big Lord. jar. I still have some of them left, yeah. I this this is um actually this is I'm about to be a massive hypocrite as as is my way. I've been hooning the beef monster munches recently, which <gasps> obviously have no meat in them. Beef. But um so for yeah. their fake you know, they're they're fake, aren't they? Are they as good as pickled onion ones though? I, I yes. Pickled onion monster monster munch aren't going anywhere. Good. Me you know, thank God. Yes. Um Thanks you're right. Lord. <laughs> but if it was if it was the house was burning and you could yeah. only take one um, fried um, yeah. artificial snack with you. It would be the pickled onion ones, not the beef ones. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I'm willing mm. to try the beef ones. Yeah. Well, well I, you're a brave, brave woman, Kerry. <laughs> the sacrifices. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm wondering uh, which Monster Munch is a favourite of Lindy Lou. Uh, I don't know if we'll find out exactly after her call, <laughs> but we'll hear what our Lindy Lou has got to say nonetheless. Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. This is Lindy Lou here. I'm second time caller in a row. I felt compelled to talk about um, Linda and Kirsty. I know Linda's trying to help Kirsty by giving her a project. However, she's done this by getting Kirsty to be her Rottweiler and to be nasty <laughs> to people like Clary. Kirsty needs the support of as many friends and neighbours as possible, and this can only be counterproductive. The mysteries are being run by two damaged women. Linda, Ooh. after the accident, had lost all her confidence. But after getting her OBE, she's morphed overnight into a high-handed, power-crazed dictator with her trusty Rottweiler at her side to deal with any disobedience. Clary, in contrast, has shown the true goodness of character by refusing to get angry or spiteful over the way she was treated and to take the responsibility on herself. What a contrast we've got there. That's all for now. Bye. Ooh, two damaged women running the mysteries, which are, to me, a mystery anyway. Uh, I might be a damaged woman as well, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Had you? That Linda is a damaged woman and she's made Kirsty her Rottweiler. If they're both damaged, it Linda is dealing with her trauma, has you know, he's dealing with her trauma. <clears throat> um, her relationship with Robert w was somewhat tested, but she was able to talk about it with the person who she loves she was able to talk about her disfigurement uh she was worried about would he still find her attractive and he said you know i i love you more than ever lindy etc and there has been some level of bookending linda's trauma in that her services to the village mm -hmm. aren't a reward for being blown up in you know in uh in the kitchen but act as some way of um, everybody recognising her sterling efforts in the village 
for the last 20, 30 years or also. So she's been able, she's had some level of societal recognition. She's been able to speak to her partner and talk through her problems, her neuroses about the way uh, that she, she looks and how she feels. That's not to say that she won't have dark days ahead, but there is some level of therapy that, that she's gone through and catharsis. That's the word I was searching for. Mm. Whereas Kirsty, not at all. She's not been able to have any level of resolution and she's still within, um, you know, the maelstrom, the aftermath of being the wife of a slaver. Yeah, but Lindy Lou is tying this all in with the mystery place. And that's my uh, conundrum here, because I literally took it on face value and thought that Linda was presenting this to Kirsty as a bit of a project to get her mind um, off the terrible predicament that she's been pushed into by Philip and I didn't see Kirsty as a Rottweiler really I mean she sounds a bit like one because she's pressing everyone into you know giving up the kitchens and what have you yeah the fact that Lindy Lou has said that two damaged women are running the mystery place Mm. don't know I'm now wondering whether Evangeline Lowminster is a damaged woman sitting in Darrington as well (laughs) is that what makes a woman uh, run the plays in a village I don't know Mm. <laughs> you I mean, know. Lindy Lou's point is that these two damaged women are running this thing for the village, isn't it? Linda is be, is reverted back to type in, you know, being a social bossy boots. And yes, we, we know that she's saying, you know, this will get Kirsty's keep Kirsty's mind off off things and give a focus, give her some, mm. some some kind of societal purpose. But Linda isn't Kirsty in, in this regard. So yeah. I reject Lin, Lindy Lou, your your premise that it's two two broken women. I think and I and I don't even know that that Kirsty's actually broken. I think she's not been able, as the Americans would say, to process all of her thoughts, feelings and emotions. However, one thing which we haven't really talked about is actually how supportive the wider village has actually been. No one uh, has really pointed the finger and says, well, how the hell did Kirsty not know? You know, she mm-hmm. must be complicit somehow, which I thought there might be the odd whisper of that. But everybody's taken her at a word that uh, she was completely and utterly oblivious to what Philip was doing. And, of course, that then is backed up by the police not pressing any kind of charges. But uh, you would have thought that Susan would be saying, well, come on, Kirsty must have known. Yeah. You know, there'd be the odd, the odd little whisper. But the, the village is actually being a, a support blanket for her in that regard. Mm, true. There's a, um, you know, Linda and Linda and Kirsty are both, we all, are, our good points and our bad points are normally, you know, joined at the hip, aren't they? So, you know, with me, it's I'm quite talkative and sometimes that can be useful and sometimes it's a pain in the ass for everyone. And Linda is, uh, you know, a force of nature. She's always going to be pushing for what she sees to be right or what she feels is a good thing. And, you know, if that's, if that's some civil action, big or small in the village, then, you know, she's she can be fantastic and she deserves her MBE. But when it comes to the mysteries or the god-awful um, annual play, then it's a, a toll, it's a tax on the village and it's a tax on us as well. And Kirsty is a pleaser. Kirsty wants to help people and to be as useful as possible. And mm. so when you have the toxic version of um, Linda married to the toxic version of um, 
Kirsty, then you know this is you get you get a, a battered and bruised Clary, you, you get all this kind of ugliness. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that necessarily answers the question of whether they're two damaged women. As with everyone, they can both be wonderful and nice women, but also complete nightmares. Yeah, I think I've just, gone off just... on the wrong tangent here and thought that you can only be a damaged woman to run a village play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I think there's got to be some, something. Let's, my dad yes. got into amateur dramatics in the jaws of his divorce with my mother, oh. and um, seeing you know seeing him play a series of um, <laughs> uh, uh, stick insect like dames at a bunch of pantos, oh, you can Peter. you could see the agony. You could see the agony in his eyes. Oh dear! And there, I mean, there is something to be said. I hope this doesn't sound too crass about people who are struggling, distracting themselves with occupying um events and pastimes and so on i think you were talking about you know. depression earlier on about yeah. um and about you know it's it, you, you want to say to someone oh why don't you go for it's like um you know i've been a bit down recently and charlotte's like oh why don't you go for a run it's like well because because the conditions aren't right yeah and you yeah. know and that sounds pathetic it sounds absolutely pathetic. You know a run's the right thing to do. You know you're going to feel better afterwards. You know that every every book you'll ever read says going for a run is mm. going to make you. Um, it doesn't quite work like that. No, but it? you know, but yeah, yeah it's the, you can't just you can't just um, you can't just make the um, impossible burger of happiness. Yes, in a petri point. dish. You know, yeah. like if it was that easy, there probably wouldn't be that many depressed people around, would there? No. If all it would take is a jog around the park or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I tell you what, though, if you are depressed, you probably need a, a therapist. So here's our resident physiotherapist uh, with a spoon, upper, lower, east, west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Last weekend, my brother and I, both fully vaccinated, were in South Florida visiting my 90-year-old mother, also fully vaccinated, for the first time in a year. As we were arranging for my mom to get some ongoing home health care assistance, I was once again reminded of the super nonagenarians of Ambridge, Peggy and Jill. Credit to the actors who play them. Or just maybe Alistair delivers some of that horse amphetamine to their doorsteps. Okay, briefly on to Kirsty. The high degree of empathy she had for the lads seems to have been lost at the doorstep of the Grundys. What spell does Agatha Harkness, I mean Linda Snell, MBE, have her under? That was a reference for Royfield and anyone else familiar with WandaVision. Finally, on to Alice and Chris. We're all speculating what will happen next. Will Alice develop postnatal, or as we call it here, postpartum depression? She has several risk factors, and the difficulty bonding with baby Martha was a hint. We wondered why there wasn't more screening for it, as the baby was premature and in the NICU. Also, Britain is where the screening tool for postnatal depression was developed, as the 10-item questionnaire is called the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. Maybe the scale will still be brought into use. Interestingly, and I've referenced this before, the scale used to evaluate the other end of the life cycle, comas, is named after the rival city to the west, the Glasgow Coma Scale. It's also clear that both Alice and Chris have had insufficient follow-up care and education related to her alcohol abuse. I don't have time to go into details, but Alice's chat with Lisa is insufficient despite her reassurances to clueless Chris. 
I fear both depression and a relapse. Talk to you soon. <sighs> with the spoon. Yeah, I'm starting at the end of your uh, call there with Alice's call with Lisa is insufficient. Uh, it's only one call, isn't it? So I guess that's going to be by its very nature insufficient. But I was glad she made it. Hmm. Um, yeah, 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 you assume it's part of an ongoing process. But yeah. I mean, but it would dig, you did get the impression that's the first time she'd called. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the whole the, the, that's the, true. I mean, not obviously other people haven't put it quite as um, succinctly or with their kind of or, or had the benefit of the back, the bedrock of their kind of um, training or experience mm. when they're talking about it. But people, a lot of people have said that, you know, they're just not getting it right in terms of reaching out to either professional or familial or, mm. or sort of social help that you know they're just not getting it from anywhere are they they're trying to do it all on their own you know when 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 harrison tried to give some some sort of candid advice to chris he just chris just flipped out he reached out to peggy in desperation but that was for that was for practical assistance so you know you don't get the impression he's going over there to to talk to peggy about her personal experience of being you know someone was saying that he should call alan on um yeah so that's um you know oh no i was going to make a terrible joke about alan go for it then <laughs> alan on oh well, here's he, yeah he has, to, he has told he has told <laughs> sorry i thought that was quite good well he, done. Has, to, he has talked to, he has talked to alan hasn't it he but, did, yeah, but, yeah. but, but to witherspoon's to witherspoon's yeah. specific point is not enough is it it's it's it, they need of course they need, yeah. they're really really at the beginning of a huge huge and i'm not going to use the j word huge struggle a bumpy bumpy old road is ahead of them which must yeah. feel very very daunting i was uh, i was tearing up a little bit hearing alice martha two weeks old now having spent two weeks sort of desperately trying to get some colostrum for her mm. that prematurely born baby which mm -hmm. i you know i've had a first-hand um sort of i've had a ringside seat to that and it's a very yeah. stressful experience and so the kind of the, when the relief sort of washed over her as she managed to get uh, martha to latch on i got you know i got quite emotional about that yeah because she sounded a little bit agitated which she would be didn't she and then you know yeah. was having that lovely intimate conversation and it was all sort of closed down wasn't it the production levels mm. um saying i'm truly sorry and from now on i'm going to be the best mum and you know, and then it's like, oh my goodness, you've actually latched on. I love you so very much. It was very intimate, moving, positive. You know, it's natural for Alice to be that stressed out about her situation with Martha and to be feeling that guilt. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the same thing as suffering from postnatal depression, mm -hmm. which I think, which can be, a, as I understand it, a chemical imbalance. In you know, I guess what I'm saying is, it's natural that she would be that stressed out and feeling that guilty in that situation yeah. and so it doesn't and, and as things start to go well she it won't get it won't alleviate the guilt but it, it, there is a logic to why she feels so bad mm -hmm. does that make sense at all yeah it does yep there is a logic definitely bless her mm. she's ill isn't she mm. uh you could well be kerry uh yes. do we have any electronic communications we which were sent into dum-de-dum -dum towers do indeed yes we do have two and i believe one is a he male and one is a she male because <laughs> they specifically have said it's a she male hang on a second the first one is from lillian mccarthy 
And Lillian says, hello, Kerry, Peter and Royfield. Since the house is too noisy for me to call her in, I thought I'd email her in with a couple of thoughts. Firstly, it's been suggested in another group that the reason Peggy is so resentful of Tony is that he may have been conceived through rape. Okay, so this is a bit bit ago, isn't it? Um, I must admit that this thought had never really occurred to me before, but the more I think about, the more I can see it as a possibility. Jack could have forced himself on Peggy whilst drunk, resulting in Tony being conceived. This could also explain why Peggy was so empathetic with Helen when she was trying to help her to bond with Jack. I do not suggest that this excuses Peggy's nastiness, but rather that it could explain it. Now, on to Kirsty. In my WhatsApp chat group, I mooted the following. Helen and Lee's relationship breaks down due to the fact that Lee's girls don't like Helen. Helen eventually buys the house at Beechwood and Kirsty moves in with her and the boys. Disillusioned with men, Kirsty then embarks on a lesbian relationship with Helen, born out of mutual trust and friendship. Well, that's my two penneth. Kind regards, Lillian. Mm. Well, well, yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot there. there Why, if you've given up on men, wouldn't you try women before you went for some kind of soul-sucking succubus from the deepest plains <laughs> of hell? I mean, there's, you know, women are quite good, aren't they? So why not give um, give that a go instead of Helen? You mean? Yeah, I don't think it's, it, the I, the. <laughs> The idea that she's a human being is as implausible <laughs> as that plot, plot line. Yeah, I take your point there. Yep. Uh, ah, now the second one is from Pat Brown. Um, and Pat says, not caller in for a while, which is a shame because Pat has a lovely, lovely voice. I love her caller in her is. Yes. Um, and she says, I've not called in for a while, so I thought I'd send her, and she put she mail instead. I've been very affected by the Alice and Martha story. My second boy was born with a cleft lip and palate. I felt so guilty and sure I'd done something wrong, although as far as I know, I hadn't. I think this is a common response when something goes wrong. So for Alice, who knows she has done something which might harm the baby, it must be unbearable. Also, her go-to remedy for feeling bad is a drink, and that's the one thing she can't have. Poor Alice. I hope she and Chris get some help soon and that they tell their families as soon as possible. Incidentally, rather than hair lip, please can you use the term cleft lip as it's it's a kinder term. Of course, other stuff has been happening in Umbridge, David's orgasmic response to the abattoir (laughs) opening, (laughs) Josh's falsetto, and every aspect of the mysteries have been weird and baffling in their different ways. Yes, they have. Um, Thank goodness for Tracy, Jazza and Jim, who are wonderful. Love to Royfield and the co-hosts this week and to everyone out there in Dumpty Dum Land from Pat. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. On that note, folks, we are going to move into the the last 100 meters of Dum Dum Dum. Take us there. It's going to be Amber with her social media roundup. Dumpty Dum, Amber again, this time with the social media roundup. So, not to harp on like a broken record every time I'm discussing the socials, but I do always love to see the frank and informative discussions people in the group have with each other. This week, we've got a lot of discussion about addiction, a topic I hold close to my heart, so I found it incredibly heartening to see a lot of nuance and informative discussions about it. Suzanne Steele raised the topic of Chris's ignorance on the matter. Okay, so I know I go on and on about this addiction thing, but how is it that Chris is so uninformed to think that one beats this thing called addiction? Surely he'd have been involved at some stage in detox and follow-up? Also, isn't detox step one? Next is rehab or some sort of ongoing treatment. Alice Bondi raised a really important point that, again, is something you've heard me praising about the Archers. It's capacity to educate. I'm guessing that the story is being done in this way in order to educate the general public about the power of addiction. If Chris totally understood the whole thing, there would be little chance for explanation. Also evidencing this is a comment that I personally learned a lot from by Lynn Rafferty. 
It was explained to me a while back, brackets when Alice was at the detox, that private sector facilities don't provide anything more than the residential, so no follow-up or assistance for the family. I remember her doctor offered her NHS help, but there was a waiting list. So perhaps now she's given birth, she might be nearer the top of that list. We also had a discussion about the time capsule. Philip Charles said, I'm undecided whether Ben liked his time capsule present. In some of the conversations, such as with his brother, it sounds like he's not impressed, but praises Leonard for the thought and effort. In other conversations, such as with Leonard himself, he seems to like it and be very enthusiastic and inspired about using it. Perhaps he was initially disappointed, but with the realisation that Leonard had put some real thought into it, then became more enthused as he considered further. I really agree with your interpretation, Philip. It did feel as if it grew on him the more he thought about it. Witherspoon added again with probing and valid opinions, quote, speaking clinically, Josh is a jerk. Dorothy Brown added to this. We have a technical term in my business. Piss off and die. Colin Lipsy chimed in with a sussed assessment of the duality of man, as exemplified by Josh and Ben. Josh is a spoiled, arrogant prat, and Ben is the complete op. Pete Ransom brought up the Eddie cake saga. Someone better not tell Eddie that the apples he uses to make cider he loves so much are vegan too. Saw that cake switcheroo narrative coming from space, it was that obvious. God, yes, it was the most obvious thing I've ever heard, but I still enjoyed it nonetheless. Although as someone who was vegan... I do cringe when people go, ew, vegan food, like, sorry, do you not eat fruit or vegetables or bread? Nope, nope, all right, okay. Some TV spots were also duly noted. Gillian Moore picked up on our Anisha, making her way onto Line of Duty with a well wish of, I hope she doesn't meet an untimely end. Me too, me too. But of course, with Line of Duty, as with anything else, you can never tell. And that was our social media roundup for this week. Bye. Thank you for that, Amber. We'll be hearing you again, I think, just before the start of May. Uh, Pete Fickling, um, you are big on the Twitters. You like a little bit of Twittering. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, you are the professor of the tweets. So why don't you hit I don't... Right, here we are. I've got, how many have I got? I've got four written down. So I just got to quickly work out. Right. Have faith, Peter. Come on. Have... Gird oh, your well, loins. Yeah, but... You're fine. But you've got this. Okay, right, here we are. Uh, In bronze position, as is traditional, we have Andrew Davidson at Andy Make the Tea. And he says, if Martha being born in a car was a sign, it was that she wanted Alice to call the AA. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Excellent one. (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much. And so, right, okay, let's keep the momentum going. In silver position, Alison... At Nasila underscore 63. N-O-S-I-L-A underscore 63. Ooh, it's census day. Does the archers count as my religion? <laughs> yes, it does. Where was uh, that box to tick on the census? Did you, did you get yours done? Yeah, um, I did it online for me and my two children. I've determined their religions on the form. One's an atheist, one's a Christian. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I, yeah. I'll, I'll ask after. I mean, I yeah. don't want to... Yeah, I'll be curious to know which is which. Anyway, um... Yeah, all that. Okay, I'm looking forward to that conversation. At, I oh, say, gold position, the music swells, etc., etc. Gareth, at G.J. G. Marklow, 
Um, and he says, maybe at some point, Ruth and David might want to talk to the, um, the member of the family who's been training a sheepdog for the last year or so about their plans for the Brookfield sheep. No, nothing. <laughs> well, I mean. Yeah, it's true, <sighs> isn't it? That is a true fact, but I'm, it's not a funny thing, is it, that really? Is, is it, it not? I mean, it's okay, literally that's fine. a true fact. That's, a, that's, that's okay. Royfield yeah. didn't laugh at any of them, by the way. No, so. but, you know, Royfield's Royfield, Royfield, so we shouldn't be worrying too much about that. Exactly. Um, um, okay, so there we go. I, I'm, 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 yeah. I've done my bit. When, when Royfield goes to do our end-of-year review, I have done my Tweet of the Week okay. today. It ticks it's the done. box. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, is that everything, though? Oh, okay, I'll do the other one then. If it just if if you feel like yeah, it was such a damn what, squib, okay, right. Here's it? the one. Not, not, it, not anything against the tweeter, but it's not funny. No, no, it's, it's, not it's, funny. it's you're, you're, you're not criticising <laughs> Gareth's tweet. You're criticising me for selecting. I understand. So anyway, here we are. Gold tweet of the week in gold position. Dame Victoria G Esquire at Ancient Modern. Personally, I won't believe the pandemic is properly under control until six episodes a week of the Archers are restored to us. Yes. Very good. Ha, ha, ha. Love her. Loved that tweet. I liked it myself. Trademark Royfield Very silence. Or, no, okay, no, wait, wait, no, no. I, I'm here and I, you couldn't hear me grin, Peter. I, I grinned profusely. I, that okay, did fine. lift mm, my spirits. We need to stop doing this podcast phrase, and we it? need to go to, what's it called, Shark Tank in America or Dragon's Den here. Some kind of automatic emoji um, oh, symbol okay, system great. that picks up your facial expressions and translates it into a little thing in the corner. So you don't have to, you have none of the agony of being on camera, but it can just mm. show in the corner a sense of your mood. I'm not sure that's a good idea no, throughout no. this podcast, to no. be honest with you. <laughs> mine would be grimacing quite a lot. I think. Yeah, mine, mine would be just a big angry poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we said before we're on the last 100 metres, we're probably uh, 70 metres in now. So there's 30 more metres to go, right, folks, uh, on this week's Dum De Dum. So it's only right and proper, as we can see uh, the tape ahead of us, to say dumdedum.com, go there. It's got awesome stuff you can do there. You can, re- you can like, see past shows. You can also see uh, some of the Zooms that we've done because we've embedded the videos for those two. So if you're wondering about, oh, I've heard that they, they do this stuff on, on a Friday at 7 o'clock occasionally, speak to archers, actors and whatever. You can, you can actually view the back catalogue, whether it's been with Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian, or whether it's been Annabelle Dowler, who plays Kirsty. We've done um, a right royal uh, lot of them. And also, I should remind you that uh, this Friday, we have Andy Hockley, who is the evil... Buhis, Philip, Moss. If you would like a ringside seat for that, why don't you email me, royfield at gmail.com, or if you message me or message Dumpty Dum on the Twitters, uh, we can give you a link and uh, you will get special preference if you have the universal sign of bunting next to your name because then I know you're a good sort and you're not some dreadful troll who's then going to uh, shout the N-word all over the recording. DM us on uh, Twitter, and or if you're a member of the Facebook group, you should have a link for it there also. So it's seven o'clock UK time, Andy Hockley's rather personable. He will be chatting about his betrayal of uh, of Philip Moss. And whilst I'm talking about um, slavers, unseen, it's been utterly lovely of you that I think in the last week we've had a couple of hundred quid go back on to go into the account on Just Giving. 
So if you would like to uh, put some money to the charity on scene who are fighting modern slavery and economic coercion, uh, why don't you go to justgiving.com, type in unseen, and you will bump into our page. Uh, we're just under seven grand now. Um, it says about six and a half, but um, some rather large donations were sent direct to unseen, but they said they'd heard about this on Dumpty Dum. And there's just under 300 of you which have actually contributed to the campaign. So that is utterly fantastic. Uh, just because we're not mentioning it every week doesn't mean that economic coercion is over. So please continue to give if you can. Another thing which we would ask you to do if you are a friend of the podcast is go into Apple iTunes or a podcatcher of your choice and go and write us a review. Another way which you can support the podcast, and lots of you do this, is by going on to patreon.com. And if you give us $2 per show, uh, your name will be up in lights on this podcast. Now, for the last two weeks, I've said we're going to do this next week. Um, this show is somewhat overrun a little, so please forgive me for not reading out all of the Patreons uh, this week. I promise, promise, promise we will do this next week. Uh, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, but trust me, we will do it next week. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or leave a WhatsApp note on 07957167696, which is plus 447957167696 if you're outside the UK. If you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, that'd be a smart thing to do if you're on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us where we are at dum. Pete Fickling, what are you on Twitter, sir? Pete Fickling. Nice and simple. Kerry Warbis, what are you yes, on I'm, Twitter? Oh, I'm at Kerry Warbis, which is K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. And don't forget when tweeting about all things Borsetshire, it's a capital T and capital A on hashtag the archers. So people who are visually impaired uh, can read it as something that makes sense. Facebook is another home for our musings on all things Borsetshire. Uh, if you're on Facebook, type in dum de dum and you'll get 1,400 smiley happy souls talking about Shawla Hebden Lloyd, <laughs> Alistair, uh, and all manners of goings on uh, to do with the archers. Uh, thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy V. Freeman. Coolio. Um, I was bringing the curtain down a little bit too soon there. I do apologise, everybody. It's that point where um, our musical choices, oh. our musical tastes, sorry, are writ large on this show. Um, Peter, I think you went last time. You educated me somewhat because I did not really know this person's uh, work and output. Uh, so I'm going to say to you this time, uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton. Yep. I know, I know I've known yep. what's coming for about two days. Excellent. Okay, so what <laughs> yeah. I would like is Yes by McCalmont and Butler. Please oh. play the actual track, Royfield, not some strange version of it like you did when I asked for Beck. To sing Paper Tiger. Uh, just play the, mm. Don't play the strange version, Kerry. Kerry and I rarely uh, fall out, but we had, yeah. what was it, a good 45-minute ding-dong. We, we fell out over football this week and we fell out over McCalmont and Butler. Peter yeah, thinks um, this singer cannot sing. Yeah, oh, I, Peter's completely and utterly wrong. 
conversation about this I, I, I will play it. it's Lovely. a fantastic piece of music the man can sing whatever happened to them i thought they were going to be a bigger thing than they ever uh, ended up being they're still knocking about doing bits and bobs I saw them at the Union Chapel in Islington, as I keep telling Peter, and it was one of the most <laughs> spiritual experiences of my life. I mean, you, you being happy makes me happy, um, so that's that's going to have to be enough for me today. Criticising yeah. it then. <laughs> yeah. It's such I'm a marvelous song, honestly. It, it is. When you say spiritual, I feel you, sister, because this Good this man. piece of music goes places. So there you go, folks. That's what you're listening to right now underneath me. And as I say, ta a bit, tatty bye. And Peter signs off and so does Kerry. Then the lyrics will kick in. So, you pair. See you, everyone. Bye. Here come the lyrics. So you want to know. Yeah.